chaos comes, it's a chance to be initiated. You know, thinking that the United States and its ideas in church have come closest to reflecting reality is like thinking Iceland is the basketball capital of the world. It's actually a psychological disorder. F-O-M-O. Fear of missing out. When a man becomes who he was made to be by God, every day is adventure. Morning, guys. Welcome to the Ansons Podcast. We are coming to you from a brand new studio, actually, this morning. So we don't know if we're actually recording right now. That's the bottom line. And we did this sort of Orwellian install of um, a bunch of cameras and lights and things um, that may potentially be something we end up using. If you guys are interested, there may be a, a video version of the podcast. So you can see just how much we sit around in silence, scratching our noses, waiting for the, the next thing to come together. It isn't all as smooth as our sound engineer makes it sound at the end of the day. You can also see how often we wear the exact same thing. It's close, though. So backward ball cap, gray shirt. What, do you, what color are your shorts? Right now? Black. Mine are blue, so we're safe. <laughs> Here's your navy, which is the black of blue. That's how people can tell us apart. We are here this morning to revisit a favorite topic of Sam's. Why do you say that? I'm just dissing you. Oh, well, explain it so I understand why it's a diss. <laughs> the topic is quitting. You, <laughs> you audio bleep. <sighs> we've run a couple articles on this topic. I can't remember actually how many conversations we've had around quitting, stopping. But, you know, it's an interesting element of seasonality. Things will come to an end, and we would like them all to end with a graduation ceremony. But I feel very ish about the way many seasons in my life or many projects that were seasonal end. They're just kind of this, man, it's hard to know if that was a slam dunk or not. And... When Luke wrote about it a number of years ago, how do you choose when to jump ship? It sparked some conversations between you and I back and forth at the desk in response to Luke's article. How do you tell when to jump ship? Right. Yeah. So it's not just this is the episode on quitting is okay. You can be a loser and be fine. Like that's not at all the theme. This was born out of more of Luke's article. It's that shifting of seasons. Right, It's like, when is what you are doing coming to an end, and when is it okay to to shift? Because I think, particularly as young men, we feel that need for it to go well, that need for the graduation ceremony, as you said, that need for like this good conclusion that sort of seamlessly launches you off into the next thing. Um, but as you quickly learn, that's not often how it goes. Um, and we, I think I don't want to be the guy that like is just trying to keep fast feet moving on the sinking platform. Like I'm just going to hop from one thing to the next. Um, I know that I did that in college with, with uh, relationships. Um, as soon as things weren't like in that honeymoon phase anymore and they seemed not as interested in friendship, like I would drop them and go on to the next one. Like let's keep it fresh. Let's keep it fun. Let's keep it um, interesting. And I know that's not, a pattern I want to cultivate in relationships or in work or in uh, where I live. Like that just isn't something that holds up. Um, that doesn't also exist in a person that has a caliber that felt very young, that felt like it was almost a way of anesthetizing some relational pain. So as you're thinking about jumping ship, it does connect to other conversations we've had, right? Like we've had one with, with Padre about like, when is it a closed door? When is it an open door? Like, how do you hear in a transition? This is specifically around, there's some angst, there's some pain, whether it's a relationship, a job, a city, something more like that. And when are you called into something else? When do you get to like, get the, the passport stamp that lets you say, all right, and now it's time to go. And when is it time to just kind of grit your teeth? And when, like, you don't want to be someone who can't handle hardship. And so you, I don't want to just run when things get difficult. Yeah. Or another way of putting it, 
how do you evaluate your pain? You used the word there in talking about jumping ship and going, many of the things we undertake are going to be hard. Career changes, every significant relationship in your life, a life with God, trying to find more of God, whatever you implement to encounter Jesus will prove difficult. And a simple example is... Over the past, I don't know, year and a half now, I've felt this invitation from God around the discipline of fasting and been really intrigued by it. It felt easier than the other ones because you don't have to carve out time for contemplative prayer or anything like that. All you have to do is stop eating. Uh, and then supposedly in those eating windows, direct your attention to God. You've said in the past, it's easier to stop something than to start something. Right? Often, yeah. And my initial forays into like fasting as a way of choosing Jesus over, like choosing to give my attention to God, choosing to be resourced in God instead of food, was initially wonderful. And uh, a number of my friends also have regular fasting disciplines. And it was like, oh, man, this is awesome. And then the past, I don't, I don't even know how many months of it have just been so frustrating. Like I still do regular fasting. I would say that right now that discipline for me is way past the honeymoon phase into like I don't know what this is for. I, and this is the interesting thing is actually, as I've been thinking about fasting, I've felt Jesus go like, stop. <laughs> the problem is he always brings us up at like 10 o'clock in the morning on a fasting day, which is when everybody thinks I should stop this. Uh, well, or when I always think like, maybe I should do this tomorrow instead of today. So I'm like, you have to find another time but then I don't raise the question at another time. It's this example where something that has been really enjoyable, a practice of encountering God, has moved into like a prolonged season where I don't feel like I'm finding God there. It feels difficult to encounter God there or to celebrate like what Jesus is like there. And trying to evaluate why that is has been difficult for the last six weeks, two months. Yeah, this is something we were talking about before that there is a patternable arc of starting something. And so that's an easier way into this conversation because the conversation happens three quarters of the way through something. And so you kind of end up trying to address it right there. You're like, okay, so looking backwards, have I suffered enough? Was this the right call? Sometimes three quarters of the way through is like 30 minutes. If it's like a big purchase, you're like, the classic buyer's remorse of something large, um, which I have been experiencing recently, and you just feel like you're an idiot for doing it. Um, sometimes three quarters of the way through is months or years into something. Um, it depends on how long you anticipate doing the thing, how long the thing is going to be around. Um, and so it's difficult to begin the conversation with that like backward-looking thing. Um, as you just did with the fasting example, you had to like take us back to, well, I start off with this. This was the vision. This was the practice. It felt really good. That honeymoon phase is such a cultural like colloquialism that like we all know it and sort of apply it to things. And I think it kind of sucks a little bit, just as an aside, because it sort of means that like marriage is going to get really crappy after the honeymoon, which is a, a terrible thing to speak over marriage. Um, however... There is something true about newness and freshness and excitement, um, and there there is an arc, and it, it is helpful to be aware of that. It's helpful to be, I think you're going to bring in Godin, because of course... Sam has a Seth Godin sensor for me that if we've had a conversation and I've mentioned Seth Godin, he can feel it coming. Yeah, I know. Yeah. His books are sort of littered between your and JD's office. You can sort of walk on the, the amount of books <laughs> without touching the floor. Um so that's where I begin like pushing on this, right? Because I, I'm going to speak in this podcast to younger Sam who has just started something new and is really excited about it. Um, whether it's college or a new job or a new city or a new car, like what those sorts of new life shifts. So um, in this case, it would be 
the job I got um, in Minnesota. Hard things get dismissed easier because they haven't happened that much yet and because you're excited about the new thing. And at some point, it's no longer new. It no longer has the sex appeal. And this thing settles on you that goes like, this isn't as good as you thought it was going to be. And are you sure you want to do this forever? I don't know why it feels like forever, but like when I had this job, it was like, are you sure that you want to do this forever was the same thing as asking, are you sure you want to do this tomorrow? Like another shift was the equivalent of the rest of my life. That's huge. Just that frame of, for your internal world, which I can identify with, asking, do I want to do this forever is the same as asking, do I want to do this tomorrow? Oh man, there's so much in there. You mentioned Seth Godin, so let's go there. You mentioned me mentioning Seth, but I mean, he wrote a book about quitting. It's called The Dip. Great book, easy read, very short. Or you can watch his YouTube summary, if depending on like how long your attention span is. Which we would sort of encourage you to practice lengthening that, but if your attention span is currently in a stunted state, yeah, watch my, the video. But we'd encourage you to maybe practice strengthening that attention span. Mine's definitely stunted currently because I recently watched the video instead of trying to find the passage I wanted in the book. Uh, but his observation, I mean, there's a lot there, but one that was helpful for me is people say, if it was easy, everyone would do it. You know, Maybe your mom said that to you when you were trying to learn an instrument, like my mom said to me. What I think is interesting is when you look at the world and you go, it would be so fun to bike commute. Or you go, man, there's all these musicians in this city who are so good and I love house concerts, but they don't happen very often. Why don't we have a lower barrier of entry venue where you see a need? There is going to be a reason. There's a reason why you don't bike commute. There's a reason why there's not uh, a really great blog that features exceptional adventure writing over and over again. And when you start that project, you'll find the reason why. You'll find like a particular difficulty that explains why not everybody is running 18-minute 5Ks. Right, and this is fleshing out some of that you, the dip, the, this moment where things have gotten hard. Um, and that's, I mean, I called it three quarters of the way through. It's not necessarily. It's, it, it can happen at any variety of points. Um, but you do hit this threshold, and it is this moment of clarity of, oh, I really like the idea of the Sam that is constantly improving the house that I own. What big and small projects like we have a clogged sink in my downstairs bathroom for like six months now. So what have I done? Just don't use that downstairs sink. Boom. Perfect solution. The reality of the Sam that is improving the house has proved to be way more difficult than the idea. And the reason is, is that it's, there's all of these things I don't know how to do that I don't feel like I have the money or the time to learn and tinker with. And so I do my best to get it into an okay state, and then I'll get on to the next thing to be in an okay state. And I hate it because it means when I pull up in my house, sometimes I just like look around and all I see are areas that I've failed, and therefore what I want to do is sell the house and move into a van. <laughs> Dang it. Unfortunately, vans break, too. No, no, no. Not the one that I would own, surely. I want more examples. The house one is one I resonate with. It's a good one to have. There is a reason why the people you know are not all renovating houses. Um, I'm curious about, you just did a 70.3 Ironman. That training process is months and months and months and months long. Mm-hmm. In a thing that's that long, where was, like, using Godin's word, the dip there? When did you encounter the reason, oh, this is why people don't do this? Um, yeah, so, what, I was, like, 32 weeks 
into the year and had been training um, for I think averaged four hours a week um, starting back in January for 32 weeks or something like that. And for people that do triathlons, that actually isn't that much. Um, there's a guy that I watch on YouTube who is training lifting program we stole or steal. He gives away for free, but, um, and he did eight hours of training a week just for a sprint to get really, really fast. So twice as much for a quarter of the distance for him, that's his life. And so him making that his job, that makes sense. Like you would actually do a lot more training, but I've done a three day a week lifting program for three months. And even in that, there was a dip, like you just kind of get into it and you had that moment of like, oh, this is going to take a lot of time. And the, if the goal is in August, that, that is so far away in February that it, it's just a concept. Like it's not even a reality. It's not, you can't, as much as you, I would try to envision myself there feeling fit and healthy, as much as I like the image of that guy, um, there are these moments of like, whoa, wait, this is, this is what is this going to take? Like, this is uncomfortable. This is, this feels like a lot. And actually I was texting a friend, um, during check-in. So like fast forward 30 weeks and I'm now the day before the event and I'm looking at all this Ironman branded stuff and looking at the start line and genuinely not feeling freaked out. I was excited. I felt ready. The only thing in me that was kind of cringing was like, oh man, I'm about to go suffer for like six hours or so. Um, that isn't necessarily something I'm going to like be super giddy about, but I was excited. Um, there wasn't this moment of like fear that I had not done enough. I felt prepared. And I sent a friend a text saying like, Hey, you should do this with me next time. And his response back was, I don't know. That's, that feels like a lot of time. And I had this like, right. Like that, that's the dip. That's the hurdle. Um, that at least in that particular example, I don't think a lot of people necessarily want to give. I think we'd rather give it to other places, even if we're sort of squandering it. Dip with training. You can just, you just know you get into it and that like, uh, how repetitive it is, oh, yeah. how long it is, right? like how, how marginal the gains are oh, yeah. and how, how much it just hurts a little bit over time. <laughs> well, think about how many people have like started, like I should go running. So you put on your running shoes and you like go outside and you run until it hurts. And then you come home and you're like, that sucked. And so then maybe you muster it up for like the second day that week. And you're like, you go for running. It like really hurts because you did it too hard the first day. Exercise, it's three of the activity is what I've read where that's where you're going to lose whatever percentage. I'm going to make one up. At least half of the athletes, you're going to do run number three and then you're done. Right. You're going to do swim number three and then you're done. But you... Evidently, we're evaluating, going, yep, like, you know, texting, and you just go, yeah, it's just a lot of time. You just put it in. Like, there's, feels like there's a mindset there. But one of the questions here is this, like, how do you evaluate pain? Mm -hmm. What are the things that help you evaluate pain? Yeah. So, this is an example um, that, I experience in the race itself or on a training run that I also experience as like the test for the job and for the car and for the relationship and for the city. Like this is one of my tests, right? So um, I'm in a race and for those of you who watched the Killing Lines videos that we did back in the day, we were doing this 100 mile bike ride and I had not ridden that much in the past, but it was divided over three days. We went way too hard the first day, did like 30 some miles. The second day, I get halfway in and I literally cannot ride anymore. Like we think it was probably tendonitis in my knee, but like I could limp walk sort of with a brace, but you put me on a bike and I couldn't pedal. Um, so naturally since then I've been a little bit afraid when I have knee pain like is this the thing like am I gonna I'm not doing a 70.3 I went out for a 56 mile ride and then had to go run a half marathon so like I need to be careful of my knees I'm out on this 
bike course. I'm going along probably too faster than I should because it turns out uh, I've got some decent amount of cat blood. And so when people start going ahead of me, I like chasing them. Um, and my knee starts hurting. And this is where one of the questions pops up. Are you uncomfortable or are you unsafe? And I've learned that discomfort is very different than being unsafe. And it feels at first like being unsafe, like, okay, this is, this is some knee pain or this is a job I'm not really liking or this is a city or a home environment that isn't, that feels really, really hard. And in that moment, there's this, I should stop. I should get away from this. Like we are such pain averse beings that I'm in the middle of a race or a ride for beforehand. And I'm like, I should pull over. Like I need to, I need to withdraw because worst case scenario, I'm going to get that tendonitis thing again in my knee and I'm going to be like laid up for a couple of days. And I don't want that. And in that moment, I, I've learned to ask the Holy Spirit more questions and this we're going to dive into this kind of as we keep going but other than just can I stop should I stop um there are these secondary tertiary questions I've learned to ask of is this discomfort or is this something more is this am I getting into not being safe in which case do I need to leave this house do I need to move do I need to quit this job do I need to stop this race and if the answer is it's just discomfort, then I'll go, oh, okay, well, then I, I'm i going to pray over the places where I feel uncomfortable because I don't think that's an awesome experience. Like, I haven't learned to just sleep on a bed of nails, um, but I've learned to be more okay with discomfort. That's a big part of like the Anson's philosophy is that you don't just run when things are uncomfortable. And so um, on the bike, for example, knowing that it was just discomfort, you know, slow down maybe a little bit. You don't want to hurt yourself, but, um, actually after a couple of minutes and praying over it, the pain would go away. And all of a sudden now I'm biking without pain. I'm like, Whoa, I almost just pulled out for something that wasn't actually a big deal, but pretended to be in the moment. And so how do you, how do you know right then? Because you don't want to just guess and guess wrong and like really hurt yourself. Um, and there certainly is room for that, but, um, I think over the years practicing listening to the Holy Spirit, I've learned more of how to discern when the Holy Spirit's going like, ur, ur, ur. yes, you've done enough. Now it's okay. Um, you are no longer in a, a safe, like the pain you are feeling is actually no longer beneficial. You've shifted from like discomfort growth to potential damage. Fascinating. Listening to you and thinking of, you know, my younger friends who I have in mind. What's interesting about your love, our love, predominantly, I mean, you love it more than I do, triathlon, um, has grown over the years of like, you have a philosophy of exercise that we could probably unpack at length and the way you think of training. Like you have this jargon, burning matches, and athletes have these things. What's the pain cave? And um, you know what your dialogues are going to be. And one of the things that's interesting in that is your decision to quit or not quit, run or stop running, is rooted in sort of a, a worldview of exercise, like what it's for, how you do it well, and it actually like gives you a framework inside of which you can make decisions. And so, and and, and it would be different, like if you were in the middle of a, a championship race. And this was the goal forever, not to compete for a long time, but to win a race. The way you would evaluate your pain would be very different if you're like, no, 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 I'm willing to not be able to race again to win this one kind of a thing. You know, some of my examples have to do with cities that we've moved from, small groups that we've eventually left, or friendships that we've sort of named like the seasonal shift or stopped pursuing even. And I go, man, it really, really helps to answer the question, kind of like, what is your life for? <laughs> One I've been sensitive to recently, because we talk so much about maturity, is that if you believe your life is to become mature, you will make pretty stark decisions, right? Where, like, I just think of a soldier in basic training 
knows that the purpose of basic training is to become a soldier, and therefore everything is about their formation into this being, this uh, subject. And I would go, it's hard if your only answer is grow, mature, become even tougher, even more resilient. But I would want to include like knowing and enjoying God. Like, yes, becoming like God, becoming like conforming to his image. But also there's this deep thing of like beholding, relating with, um, being in union with, being in relationship with is this final end that you can kind of zoom out and start holding up to like you're thinking about, do we stick it out at this church another year or not? Uh, Do I stick it out at this job another year or not? If the question is like the final aim of your life is to like know God deeply and through knowing him and enjoying him, being transformed to the person who can rule with him, being who he made you to be, then you can kind of go, well, what has he told me about this season? What is happening a layer or two down? You hinted at secondary and tertiary questions. Like, what are the ones that you ask? You're trying to take this deeper dive into what is the nature of the pain? What are the stakes for my heart? What are questions that uncover that? Yeah, so this relationship with the Holy Spirit is a big one, right? Because if we're just trying to tune in for the big questions, it's going to be really difficult. And if it's, this is something that Padre has been kind of hammering us with our whole lives, right? It would be like, dad, how do you hear the voice of God so easily, it seems? Um, Well, in one sense, it's easier to hear for other people. And another, it's easier to hear um, less pressured questions, answers to them. Um, And so if you're just tuning in, and using the Holy Spirit like a magic eight ball, like, can I look at my job? It's going to be really difficult. But if you're practicing some daily things, it's going to be a lot easier. I love your piece on seasons. That's one that we do. Um, and that can really help frame. So, no, the we don't always do it perfectly. And seasons for us often ends up being a calendar year. Um, sometimes it's a summer. Sometimes it's like a around a childbirth. Um, but usually we try to get like, okay, God, what's one of the themes for this year that'll help us have a lens? And one of the ones for this year for us is frontier. And that almost came with like a bum, bum, bum for me when I heard that. Cause I'm like, okay, that's going to be good. But frontier is hard. Frontier is difficult. Frontier, there's things going sideways that you don't anticipate. But having that word, when all those things have been happening, and man, oh man, oh man, have they been, we don't go, things are clearly going wrong because it's not all going smooth. We go, God said it was a year frontier, and it certainly is. And so we're not abandoned in it. We're not doing things wrong. Um, actually, God gave us a very kind heads up, and that has allowed us to view all these things that may be going sideways, may be going difficult, and certainly have been those those two things and more. Um, it lets us see them through the lens of this is what God said was going to be happening, and that means that like, that's okay. Um, and so that's that's one of the questions, right? I think that that piece can even be like distilled down to like what is this thing for, um, and that. It's really helpful for a job or a friendship or a church um, or even a city. If you're like, okay, I'm going to be in the city for an internship for a couple of months. Ask the question, what is this season for? Like, what are you up to right now? Um, Because back to that point that I made earlier, a day, another shift can feel like the rest of your life. Even if you know it's just an internship for a couple of months. And so if you're able to go, no, no, this season is for developing humility. Therefore, I am okay with scraping fries off the floor from a table that was exceptionally rude to me. This is going to make me a more humble and kind person down the road. This isn't, I have made a terrible mistake. I am totally wasting my time. I should be doing something else that feels better moment to moment. Um, having that, what this season is for or what this year is going to be like, like those lenses end up being super helpful. Um, and so like, that's, that's another one when it comes to the question of, I'm thinking of you want to leave a small group or you want to leave a church or you want to leave a city. Um, 
things that I have felt many times over <laughs> the last few years as we have moved cities and we have left churches um, and we have stuck it out with churches and we have stuck it out with cities. So it's not always the same answer. Um, there are these questions of like, Holy Spirit, this feels really hard. This feels really uncomfortable. I'd like this to be done. I would sometimes be asking the question, can it be? Can, will you give me the green light to get, get out of this? Because I have learned after changing enough cities and jobs and places, what it's like when you're following the Holy Spirit. The, the Celtics called him the wild goose because sometimes you cannot, most of the time you cannot anticipate what's going to come next. And yet it feels really, 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 really good because as the, the disciples said to Jesus, where else would we go? You alone have the words of life. Like this, you don't, you don't want to be anywhere else. You want to be like, you want to be right there if you can. And so Susie have, and I have experienced some of those choices in following appropriately when the Holy Spirit was calling us in something else. So now we know what it's like when that call isn't there. And that's actually super helpful because um, there have been plenty of times in the last three years where I've been like, I would love to bail. I'd love to go do something else. This is really difficult. Pouring out day after day in a, the pressure cooker that is the the Christian 21st century online world is a bit like a meat grinder. And there have been times where I would love to just like go make wooden bowls in a cabin in the woods. And that feels like really good. But I know what it's like when I feel the Holy Spirit pulling me into something else and I'm not feeling that. And so I know that that isn't there. And like, that's, that's some of the fruit of practicing listening and obeying is that now I can be like, I don't even have to ask the question. Am I, am I need to be pulled to something else? Because I know what that feels like when he is. It's really good. One of the things that I think of as you're talking is, man, it's hard to do this just by wisdom. And our generation is criticized for being pain averse. And it, it's actually really helpful to know that and, and to bring and to have that, uh, to not make agreement with it, to not have that be the thing that shapes your understanding of your season, um, but to kind of go the interesting thing of like, Jesus, you have total permission to tell me that this is something that you are growing in me resilience. But one of the things I think of is, you know, this famous verse of Jesus, of he who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Um, Jesus is not pain averse. Ezekiel, can't think of the verse, but where he's just talking about, um, like if any, if an unrighteous man turns from his ways, not one of his sins will be remembered against him. He will live. Um, and there's just this extended thing where God is saying, I don't want anyone to die. And there's like the sensitivity of Jesus going like that. He is not on principle love to see difficulty. Maybe other people don't like, believe this on occasion, but I do. And like for the joy that is set before him, what he is willing to endure and what he is willing to bear with us, where I think of like some of the, the seasons that have been the most difficult for me uh, have ended when I get to like this, the deep thing in me that God was after. And, you know, my summary of Job's first speech when his friends are still there against God is, I knew it. And you go, Whoa, that is interesting that uh, you're the one who the angels say there is no fault in him. And yet you, Job, really believed that uh, catastrophe was coming, that God was not your defender. Pretty intense example of the rescue of a man's heart. Um, I've used this example before, but when we really, really felt called by God through times of listening to the Holy Spirit and confirmation through people and all of like the variety of ways Jesus has to communicate his 
what he wants to us. We were like, we are moving into this neighborhood to be on mission to these people with these people and like took these steps that felt totally radical, like flying by the seat of our pants and moving towards it and nothing happens and nothing happens and nothing happens and nothing happens. And I'm finally on this drive with God and I like find myself going like, I'm so frustrated and I'm asking him like, you have to change my heart about this. And then all of a sudden I find myself like, yelling at God, maybe you can't. Um, And it's like, uh uh-oh, whatever the crust was that you were committed to getting through, you finally like caught through. And like his word to me was like, I don't think you want this. Like this thing that you on the surface seem really committed to doing. um, I don't actually think you want that. Like, and just to go really helpful to bear in mind that as like the one who brings you to maturity, um, your father is completely committed to the full restoration of your heart, which, as T.S. Eliot puts it really brilliantly in Four Quartets, the speaker of the poems reflecting on being transformed and how painful it is can be. And he goes, who then composed the torment, love. Love is the name that wove my intolerable shirt of flame. Um, and you're like, whoa. Like, your father, who loves you? If you've seen Jesus, you've seen him. He is like Jesus. And Jesus is the one who, like, for the joy set before him, endured execution, like, is willing to suffer to get the deeper good. And Jesus often will ask me that when I'm thinking about quitting, where he's like, do you want what I have for you in this? And I'm like, oh, crap. Yes. I pray that you make it easier, as easy as it can be. Mm, that's really good. Shifting a little bit here, um, because we have the the pain averse, we have the the, des- the desire for things to be easy. I want growth, but I want it to just sort of happen without the growing pains. And so, you hear the laughter. I can't even get a sentence out without it being like eh, obvious that it's not possible. Here's the flip side. Um, you know that you are supposed to jump ship. You know you're supposed to shift seasons. You're feeling very pulled into that, but you don't know what comes next. Is that a good reason to stay? No. Obviously not. I don't know if that's obvious. Okay. Like, why? (laughs) um, God often calls people to the wilderness, calls people away from things. Jesus seems to always just be pulling people out of their normal routine and into something else. And uh, we've touched on this in the past, um, but the the Hebrew word for wilderness means the place where God speaks. And wilderness isn't mountains and trees of Colorado. It is wild, unknown, vast, dangerous places of the soul, of the heart, and also sometimes literal places that's why it's obvious to me. It's not an obvious, okay, now that I know that I'm going to go do it. Like that's really scary. That's really hard. But I do want to like throw this piece out there of if you have the, yes, I am meant to shift. I I know I'm meant to go into something else. Sometimes not knowing that what comes next is actually really okay. And then maybe what God is up to, you don't actually have to like jump from, sinking ship to totally fleshed out security and knowing what it's going to be. I feel like the people in my life, many of them have story after story of, and I didn't know what was going to be next, but I said yes anyway. And God used it like crazy. Or I was called into a season of wilderness, sometimes called into a season where there wasn't a landing ground for a little while. And that is exactly where God speaks and use that to uncover and grow and minister in all these places that when things are comfortable and routine, even if you don't like them, even if they're not comfortable, we still like the routine and the familiarity of things. And so there's that, well, I'm really suffering in this job and it may even be unsafe for me to be in this house, but I'd rather stay with the known. And you're like, okay, well, clearly you've heard that you were meant to leave. You don't know what to, that might be okay. This is such a huge point. My asterisk here would be like, 
yes, of course, Jesus cares about circumstances. The most recent example for me is uh, the death of the reformist king, Hezekiah, who, I just love the story, the prophet Isaiah comes to him and goes, um, the Lord tells you, get your, infer- get your affairs in order, mending your life. And I, Isaiah leaves, Hezekiah is totally taken out, goes, sat, sackcloth, ashes, weeping, and Isaiah's on his way out of town, and God shows up to him and is like, turn around, you gotta go back. And Isaiah shows up, and his, like, God's tone for Hezekiah is like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not a bad thing, like, kind of this, sometimes, like, right, right, I know that you don't see the way your life connects to eternity the way, same way I do, but it's like, I hear your tears, you can live longer, that's fine, like, and so, I'll add 15 years to your life, how long would you like to live this earthly experience? And so there's like, God is moved by Hezekiah's pain and willing to alter, and so, that's significant. To the house thing, again, this goes to the paradigmatic stuff of like, what do you want? What is the point of your life? Like, it's really easy to add an and of like, the point of my life is to live this like passionate story with God and have a house and have a job. Like, and go, it's really interesting for that stuff to come under fire and go like, uh, my wife is less concerned about this than me. I tend to be the one in our relationship who adds the ands. Um, we're like, you know, as I, it's, it's the 30s. And I feel like the 30s are so young, um, are on the doorstep. It's like, life is in a passionate union with God and having a 403B that's like nice and plush with a cool stitched stitch cover around it. Um, but it's just this, like these things being exposed are actually very helpful because like they reveal how much, like how desirable we want God is. And I'm like, he's very desirable, guys. Like this is the thing of like, no, 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 you'll love this passionate story with God. You will love seeing miracles. Like, but recall if you heard our podcast with Josh Imhoff, this hydroponics business's mission guy who experiences a life with God that is the life with God that I desire. He's like, I was talking with a man and I heard the Holy Spirit say, this land is mine. You have to sell it to me. Or I came back to my room after praying and like God had given me this case of Mountain Dew. Like all of these things that are like so beautiful and you look at what it requires and he's like, I'm in panic mode so often. I just have to be with God. Like we don't have security outside of him. We have the things he's called us to. And it's just deeply exposing of like, wow, that's the kind of story I want to be called in. That's the story I was built for. And I have all these asterisks of fear around the topic of should you leave anyway that really do need to be addressed so that I end up like the person who is totally ready to go. You're telling me to leave my job, but you're not telling me where to go? Okay, I'll leave. And then be like, this is usually how the story goes. And be like, and then it turned out he didn't have another job. Actually... I just lost a lot of money and was pushed into a lot of fear and was like, God, where am I supposed to express my calling? What am I doing? Like, And it gets at these deep root issues of like, who do you believe God is? What do you think he's done? What do you think the consequences are for you? What do you think you're for? Can you express your calling to a house plant? Can that be like a full realization of mm. who you were made to be? Yeah, that's so good. Um, I find myself brought back to something you said earlier of like, we, when things end, we want like the graduation ceremony. We want like the clean send off. We want it to be like this, this champagne bottle breaks on the boat. The boat goes out, there's flowers, there's fanfare, like this kind of great shifting of seasons. And I was just having a conversation with a guy uh, like a couple days ago who was talking about some friendships that had ended poorly that they were circling back around to, to like try and bring some closure and sort of leave it in a better place. And I found myself like scratching my head at that kind of going, there's probably, there's a place for not leaving wounding. There's a place for going back and trying to, to bring healing, even if you're not meant to walk alongside. Sure. 
I don't know that it was necessarily motivating this particular scenario. This one felt more like somehow you're going to try and get that nice, cozy ending to a thing. And I found myself saying, like, it's still a death. That thing ending is still the death of that thing. It's the death of that season. It's the death of those relationships. And I actually don't know that that is something to necessarily be feared because what we are promised, our inheritance, the hope set before us is that death isn't the final word and that we actually get all of these things back to us. They get all the things that were lost and stolen and all the things that we sacrifice do come back. And then therefore death actually shouldn't be the thing that is motivating. Isn't like the fear of death um, shouldn't be the things that we try to protect our lives from in case you're feeling like that is sounding like a verse. It should, um, that I, I just, I want to throw that out there as one of our other pieces in this jumping ship thing. Um, things ending may feel really good. It may be like a victory of, I have put in my time in this town with these people. God has given me the green light. I get to go somewhere else. Thank you. I am so ready for this shift. I have been suffering here. And now I get to go into a new season where I've been waiting. There are those moments crossing the Jordan into the promised land. Hooray. I love those moments. There are the opposite moments of things ending and maybe ending poorly. And there's a shift. And I think you you could waste a lot of time and heartache trying to make that ending less bitter, less, less of a death. And I, I, I just want to say, like, I'm sorry. Um, it might not work and that is okay. A few things on not quitting. <laughs> There's a lot of territory to cover here. But things that are in sort of the wisdom culture part of the conversation, which needs to happen in tandem with revelation by the Holy Spirit who lives in you. One is, it is often better to take the pain now. One of the reasons people run from reality, one of the reasons people try to escape reality is to get the reward first. And then that, that just doesn't do anything for the human soul. Like, it's really interesting, but it's kind of a, you have to be convinced that the life you will like the most is the life you were meant to live and to go, you know, and this is why people end up with, one of the reasons younger people end up with massive amounts of, let's say, credit card debt is this feeling that you can, uh, like, get the pain later, get the reward now, and like, and, and that's a fine way of doing things and go like, you end up not enjoying things. I've observed this in weight loss culture where, uh, you know, and just going, oh my gosh, how about any environment that promotes the idolatry of youth and like this is insane cannibalistic form of beauty, like most colleges, um, you like see someone like biting into a donut and be like, I'm going to run later. And I'm like, you're going to, you're hating that donut and you're going to hate not running later. Like, and like this whole thing is wrong. Um, and when it comes to like considering quitting, I've going like, in general, as a principle, you will like the pain now. This is the right time for it. Gosh, I want to put so many caveats on that, but I'll just go. Keep everything else in mind. You're listening to the Holy Spirit. That's a really helpful one of if it's, you're like, man, I just, I hate my job. And to go, okay, what is it doing in your heart? because it's worth it to be wholehearted. Like what's, what's being built in you or God is going after, take the pain now. Like, and even almost on so the communal good. level, yeah. you'll never, it's almost like you'll never hurt fewer people than you will right now. Because as you grow and you grow in the likeness of Jesus and your influence increases, like the people who will be damaged by you spinning out becomes more. Uh, this is so good. It's the Dan Allender, don't waste your pain thing. Like, your job sucks. You're waiting for the season to end. Don't waste the season you're in by not growing through it. Don't dissociate and try and skip forward to the next thing because you're still going to be the same person if you don't grow. Right. So let's say, just hitting a couple examples, as you unpack the pain, as you unpack what's hard and you're like, 
in, let's say you're in this small group and you're like, it's just driving me crazy and goes like, where is the area of growth? And like, well, I, you know, I, I think it's like both listening, both, you know, relinquishing evaluation. It's having straight talk conversations and go like, oh, all of a sudden you're naming three things about a difficult season that like, nah, it's, you'll like learning that earlier. One other thing is just the value of other people, not only in their voices, but we live in these relational ecosystems. And it's really interesting to sort of evaluate of how are people responding to and what is my effect on the people who are affected by my season and go like, other people are a barometer. You're trying to figure out whether to quit your job and people are praying with you and they're bringing you words. Like, you can also check and go, am I increasingly taking out everyone? Like, are the opposite things, aka fruit of the spirit, that happen when you live a life with God? Is the opposite being produced in my close relationships, family, community? Like, that can be a good indicator that uh, this is not something... Like, this is not a path that you need to keep down. This is something that requires reevaluation. If you don't get anything else from this episode, a big takeaway is learn to walk closer with the Holy Spirit, right? Like, learn to ask these questions, learn to have that barometer. You have the wisest person in the whole universe at your disposal. And so, when it's time for a potential season shift, or to bail, or to stay, or what the season's for, all of these nuances, your effect on the people around you, like these are all so, so good. And the more you know to hear, the more practice you are with reading and having purpose for these things, I think the more obvious these questions, the answers to these questions are going to be. You actually might find yourself in a place where you know that you're supposed to stay and suffer through something when in the past a younger version of you might have been trying to run for the hills. 